Hi everyone, I'm JJ Hornblast and welcome to FinTech Unfiltered from Bank Innovation, the leading digital news service on banking and FinTech. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in banking innovation for the week of October 26, 2020. Our thanks before we begin go, uh, goes to uh, Bank Innovation Advertisers Blend Mambu and Q2E Banking for their support. Thank you so much. And I am pleased to be joined by Bianca Chan and Rick Morgan from the BI team. It is Friday, October 30, 2020. This week, um, it was the last week of the exhausting presidential election campaign with many Americans including some of our colleagues already casting their votes and doing so at record levels. U.S. households increased their spending uh, by 1.4% in September, according to data that was released uh, just this morning, actually. This was the fifth straight month of household spending increases as remaining pandemic aid helped boost incomes by 0.9%. The GDP came out for 2Q um, yesterday, 3Q yesterday, okay. and it showed the economy, sorry about that, 3Q yesterday, and it showed that the economy grew at a record pace last quarter, recovering a good chunk of pandemic losses, but still below where it ended last year. Amazon reported $96.2 billion of revenue for the third quarter, a year-over-year -year increase of 37%. Also this week, Apple reported an all-time high of 585 million paid subscriptions for its services last quarter, growing that number by 135 million on a year-over-year -year basis. The company said it was on track to reach 600 million paid subscriptions by the end of this year. And finally, a 45-year-old West Virginian fitness instructor broke a Guinness World Record by completing 34 pull-ups in one minute. She and her husband had been passing the time, they said, during the COVID lockdown by completing fitness challenges. She clearly completed the fitness challenge of COVID lockdown. 34 pull-ups in one minute, just slightly better than I think both Rick and your Bianca's best performances. Sorry. Yeah, barely. This week we wanna spend some time uh, giving a bit of a preview for Banking Automation Summit, our event that's gonna be taking place week after next and uh, uh, discuss some of the major themes that we're going to be uh, presenting at the conference this after spending a lot of time this week I'm doing some preparation for the event. Um, we this week you you spoke uh, Bianca to Bank of America, Bank of America, and the founder of its um, Erica uh, chatbot, uh, automated chatbot, 
So how does, how does Erica um, and uh, the Bank of America initiatives around it, um, how does it, uh, you know, what are the key automation um, uh, trends that they, that they reveal? Yeah, sure. So it's Christian Kitchell. He's the head of AI solutions and the Erica group at Bank of America. Uh, now, the thing that, that, that industry analysts have previously said um, makes Erica stand out among her peers is the ability to go just beyond the, the simple FAQs, the, to handle more sophisticated tasks. And in order to do that, there, there was quite a bit of rewiring and API work that the group had to do uh, in order to kind of connect the bank's different systems to support the different ways that uh, customers can reach Erica and um, the different platforms throughout the bank that she's kind of expanding into. Uh, and so I would say that um, it's really kind of the insights, the proactive advice, uh, and then facilitating that action that, um, that they're currently working through. Something that, that, that um, Christian called out was this trimodal approach. So, so reaching Erica by text, by voice, and by glass, and that obviously took a lot of um, connecting of different systems and data sources, and they're working to bridge that gap uh, currently in the short term right now um, to gap these uh, avenues at, to the call center reps so that any issues that Erica can't solve, um, that can kind of be seamlessly handed off to, to a human, which does kind of echo what we've been hearing in our pre-conference calls is this kind of, um, this melding of humans and machinery so you don't just have, you know, these automated processes and then these human-led processes that it's supposed to be more um, in concert with one another or in collaboration. So I did he, I think you said, I think it was, Erica's had about 16 million interactions to date. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the volume of that data is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, but, but still, it's still in an evolutionary phase. Is there a sense for how many more interactions are needed in order to get to this more holistic, you know, full service automation uh, paradigm that, that uh, I think is, is kind of the goal? You would think it was the goal, uh, and maybe it should be the goal, but you constantly hear time and time again of people say human intervention is key in every single kind of automation project that you have. So I don't know if it'll ever be 100% fully automated, um, but in terms of getting a sense of when, um, you know, there will be enough data for Erica to kind of handle the, and to provide the bank with this holistic view of the consumer, um, I think we have a bit more time. I mean, Bank of America might be closer than, than other banks' chatbots and other credit unions' chatbots, but I think it, it takes a few years to first get down the basics, the foundations of providing the FAQs um, and then also rewiring the backend system so that you, you can um, provide those avenues of communication um, to, to finally get to the more sophisticated tasks like providing the insights and understanding the, the consumer from. Yeah, at, at Truist, the notion is to create automation. Well, first of all, there's many parts to it, right? That they're at there, it's it's like this underpinning to all customer experience. But for them, they look at like one aspect of it is really deep back end, and that is um, to allow for what they call self healing or self curing of systems 
or fail over in an automated fashion. So that if, if their systems are failing, there's like a touchless cure that takes place. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, there, you know, one of the avenues for that is to actually go back to like an AWS environment and using that to allow for this kind of like, you know, self-heal, self-cure. Um, so, it, you know, the, the automation has like many different levels, even if, as you're saying, as you, you kind of implied that it is, there's a pervasiveness and it's not just like only front end, only back end, whatever, but still it, it does go to different um, spheres of technology at the financial institution and, um, and there are opportunities to uh, um, add automation at all these different levels. Um, is that something that they, he, he talked about as well? <laughs> Maybe not uh, so directly. Honestly, the self-healing thing is really interesting to me because if you think about it, that's almost like the, the, the safety net, right? When their systems fail, the automation picks it up. That, that's got to have a ton of maintenance because if that's your last kind of, your, that's your safety net, that's the last line of defense, like you're going to need to make sure that it is fully operational up and running, no matter what the scale is, no matter what the situation is. So that's honestly really interesting. And then the fact that they would have such a critical uh, component, uh, as you said, in the AWS environment, I mean, you hear so much of these banks saying that they, they want to keep the super critical processes on-prem within their own kind of um, house that they've kind of built. So that's interesting that they're taking that yeah. step to maybe moving that to the cloud. The, the, your, your piece about um, that related to Erica point, uh, mentioned how like the bill pay function required uh, access to 26 different databases. And Rick, you, you wrote about a couple of uh, startups that focus on, on facilitating um, uh, uh, I guess database integrations or synthesis. Um, so, how does that? How do? How do, What are the mechanics around that? Like, what are the mechanics around that in facilitating automation? Well, it's interesting. I, the The companies that I talked to, one was called Scan, and one was called C Three, uh, and it just involves a lot of watching and a lot of ingesting data, both in and outside of the bank. Um, C3, which actually works with Bank of America uh, and Standard Chartered and a few other big names, um, they spoke a lot about how it, in order to create a more holistic and um, deep relationship with customers through your CRM system, uh, you need to ingest data not just from the bank, but also outside of the bank. So um, they take things like market fluctuations, interest rates, um, they use social media, uh, and they take those things and they can sort of guess what your client is going to do um, during certain market fluctuations during different times where they look at things in the past and it learns. Um, and then that sort of enables banks to go from, oh, I haven't talked to this person in three months, I should call them to, okay, last time the markets were just like this and they you know, lost this amount of income or gained this amount of income and they you know, bought whatever, they did X. And so I know what to offer them at this time. Um, so that was really interesting to me. The other company was called Scan. Uh, and they're basically automating the role of a consultant. What they do is they, um, they look at what employees are doing uh, 
just you know look at their screens and see how they work from screen to screen, what the screen to screen processes are like. Um, how do they input information? Um, how do they go from putting things from email into their work systems? And how efficient is that or not? Um, and they sort of come up with more efficient ways of doing things, just like an analyst or a consultant would overwatch an organization. Um, and it was a really interesting way to sort of think about these problems. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that that falls under the general category of robotic desktop automation. Where yes, yeah. RDA, where you're, you're looking to um, infuse the, the desktop action on the part of the banker um, with um, you know, elements of automation. I guess that's what you meant, Bianca, where you said that um, we don't, they don't want to take the person out of it. Um, but, but, you know, like if so much of the desktop um, exercise is automated, yeah, yes, there is a, there is a person involved, but, um, but still, you know, at some point really can't, can't execute the job, you know, without the automation elements. Uh, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Bianca. I think the best way I've been described it is um, think of it as like a car manufacturing plant. So you have the heavy machinery, obviously humans can't lift cars, um, but you have the humans in the process. Uh, you think about it, or maybe as like, as like an assembly line. So it's really, I don't know if we're quite there yet with, I think we're still trying to figure it out in financial services industry, how to make the two, like the human and the robot uh, complementary rather than separate. Yeah. Um, any other, uh, what other themes could we expect to touch on at uh, BAS, at the Banking Automation Summit? Uh, I think we're going to talk a lot about robotic process automation, uh, machine learning, um, and just how that's sort of implemented in the back end to make things more efficient uh, and where some of the pain points are. And I'm sure we're also going to touch on, um, you know, front-facing things. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of thought about chat, talk about chatbots. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about how um, how to make those just uh, less frustrating for customers because obviously they are learning. But as an analyst that I spoke with today said for a story that I'm working on in the future, TV, uh, more on that to come. Um, but the analyst was basically saying that, yeah, these chatbots are learning, but it's the customers who are feeling the pain of that right now because they're the ones who it's getting tested on. Um, and how do we make it so that A, it's just more efficient and B, um, how do we make it so that when a customer does get frustrated and gets passed off to the customer service rep, I mean, that's a hot customer is what this analyst called it. Um, how do you make sure that that poor customer service rep has all the information at hand so they don't need to take a frustrated customer and make them repeat everything that they just gave to that chatbot? So I'm sure that will come up, but uh, that's just right. what I would predict. Um, Go ahead, Bianca. I was just gonna say another thing that you can expect to hear at a banking automation summit is the next wave of RPA. So through our kind of uh, reporting through, through the months, uh, it sounds like RPA, most applications of it today, robotic process automation is, you know, simple tasks programmed um, to handle, um, yeah, specific tasks, like single specific tasks. And, and so looking at what, what does the next wave of RPA look like? How does it work in concert with other emerging technologies? And how do we make it so it's not um, a one-for-one -one solution, but maybe more of like a you know, as-a-service type type deal? Right. Sounds good. Um, 
what are, what are we going to be reporting on next week before Banking Automation Summit? Uh, you know, go ahead, Bianca. Oh, no, no, please. Oh, I was just going to say we're going to uh, take a look at some new numbers from some of the big payment providers out there, uh, Venmo and Zelle, P2P, obviously a, uh, a big turf war going on, so we have some, some new figures around that. And then also taking a look at um, Tuesday is, is the election day. So we're going to be taking a look at some of the potential impacts of what um, the results could have on, on, on the industry. All right. Well, thank you both. Um, and thank you all for, uh, for joining us. Uh, please rate uh, FinTech Unfilter wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, and of course, visit us at bankinnovation.net and as well on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, great to have you. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.